Welcome to the Vitamin C. Today's title, Sanctuary. I remember having a conversation with another Christian a while back, which is actually quite impressive given my goldfish-like memory. And in it, we discussed how sometimes we and others we see allow our days to affect how we act and behave when we gather together to worship on Sunday or at a Bible study or a small group or really any outreach event. Everyone knows we've had a bad day or that something is clearly weighing heavy on our minds. We allow those things to affect our mood, hinder our fellowship, and maybe even negate the entire act of worshiping altogether because we're so preoccupied with our thoughts. On some occasions, we can even be downright unenjoyable to be around. Consequently, others can become concerned about our well-being or distracted by our sour mood, and we can become an inadvertent distraction. Now, obviously, life happens, and it can affect our attitudes. When we come to God, it's clear from David's example in writing Psalms that we need to be real before him. So I'm not saying we should fake it when we're with the body or not come for fear of upsetting others. Going to God, especially when burdens are upon us, is the best thing we can do. And life absolutely gives us situations where we will be overcome by emotions. I think we all understand that. I do still have a question that I would like to ask you, though. Growing up, I worshipped in a traditional, quote-unquote, church building. For the service, we would meet in the sanctuary, and it never dawned on me until recently how powerful that word is. In biblical usage, or in the Koine Greek, the word is usually meant to denote a place separate from the world. In our current usage, it has many meanings, but the one that hit me the most is how it used to be a safe haven for criminals, a place they could go to be safe, comforted, and immune to the world outside, including arrest, until they left. That's right. So long as they remained inside, they could not be arrested. Tell me that wouldn't make the meaning of sanctuary much deeper and more profound for you. You know that jail is waiting, but while inside, you're safe. You're free. You're able to focus on what's in front of you instead of what's waiting. What would be the point of that sanctuary if all you did was think about what was going to happen when you left, though? Why go to a place where you can be free only to remain enslaved to your mind. What a sad squandering that would be. I fear for myself and many others I know, this is exactly what we do in many cases. Again, there are certainly times when emotions and situations will be overflowing, but many times we're needlessly letting them control us. We obsess over little or inconsequential things or big things beyond our control or things that have zero impact outside of being annoying like bad drivers and random trolls on social media and never-ending construction zones. When we worship God, when we're with the body, why bring the world with us? This is our chance to get away from it all. It's our opportunity to be with our family, to be free of all the garbage and drama and hate and selfishness that abounds in the world. How can you be in a bad mood in the one place the world has no power? Enjoy it. Relish those moments. The sanctuary is where we should be able to find happiness for at least the few moments we're there. It's where we should yearn to be at when life is becoming too much to handle because it is there that we are separate. It is there where we stand together, unified with those around us, encouraging rather than destroying one another. It's there that we focus on God. Now, I recognize that for some of us, perhaps our congregation and body does not feel like a sanctuary. It resembles the congregation in Corinth more than in Acts 2, 4, and 5, and much of the drama the world consumes us with is prevalent among our own. 
that's a deeper, separate discussion. And my heart breaks for you. I, I urge you to biblically contribute to the reconciliation and repentance needed in those situations, owning up to your sin first and foremost. Based on Matthew 5, we shouldn't even worship God until we've done what we can to resolve issues with our brothers and sisters. I mean, if people did this, congregations like the one in Corinth should never even come into existence. But I digress. No matter your situation, when you find yourself coming to a place where your sole intention is to glorify and focus on your magnificent creator, make the mental decision to not squander a single moment of that time. Set aside everything but him. Embrace the sanctuary. Stand firm in what you know, not in what you feel. You cannot control others. You can control your thoughts, actions, and choices, though. Choose the freedom that comes inside God's safe place. Choose to focus on what is good and holy and right. Choose the Lord your God. The world's troubles, they aren't going anywhere. Who wants to waste an opportunity to be free of them? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, the increase in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 73, verses 12 through 26, kind of segmented. NIV scripture, copyright Zondervan. Now, therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today who you will serve whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, and who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us through all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through whom midst we passed. The Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Then Joshua said to the people, You will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, and he will turn and do harm and consume you after he has done good to you. The people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away the foreign gods which are in your midst. Incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and we will obey his voice. Joshua chapter 24 verses 14 to 24 NASB. This is me signing off and us getting to work. Thanks for taking your dose of the vitamin C. The song used in the intro and outro was laid back by Danny Alien off his album The Minesweepers, where using it.
courtesy of our license of film or by one to share. Neither are sponsors, but definitely check them out. Much obliged to them. All scripture quoted from Zondervan, copyrighted Bibles, unless otherwise noted. All rights reserved. All other content is ours, baby. All rights reserved also.